How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, Episode 6. Episode J- six. Jake, it's a special episode. It's a special episode? It is. Why is it a special episode, Well, we have Zeke? our first guest. We have a guest. After weeks of hyping. Where? Him hiding in the shadows, constantly throwing insults our way for our unprofessional professions. <laughs> 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 Jesse Newell from Jesse Newell Creative. Jesse Newell, oh my hey. god. Hey, guys. Hey, yeah. guys, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. No, that's I cool. am. All right. Thank you for teasing me throughout the that's episodes cool. of every, the pod. every episode. Um, I like to consider myself to be the uh, Thanos of this podcast, you know. <laughs> You've been hinting at me for like ages and now I'm here to for ten years. cause yeah, ten years, now I'm here to cause destruction. Do you reckon we're gonna <laughs> review that when the endgame comes out? Of course. Like I feel like we have to. We have to. It's like a definitely like a billion automatic. Maybe we get you back on for that yeah, one, yeah, yeah. and you have to use like the Josh Brolin voice the entire episode. <laughs> be really good. I'll, I'll, I'll paint you mean my Josh face Brolin purple? with the famous line, "No one knew who I was until I put on the mask." Oh, well, that's, uh, yeah, that's Josh that's Brolin in Marvel, isn't it? No, yes. Are you like making fun of our <laughs> mistakes that we've I don't made know, over I'm the past couple of weeks? Oh yes, yes. I will have bones to pick with you later on in the show. Yeah. Coming up this week, as per usual, highlights from the past week. Update on my 365 challenge. Seven new films for me. I don't know how many of you watched, Jake. Oh, so uh, I'm sure, Jesse, so you've watched many. a couple too. Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> Typical journey update. I'm sure you guys will have some disconnected stuff. details coming up on the show. Maybe yeah. even some other stuff you might want to tease. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our movie of the week is Yorgos Lathamoth's... Ah, sorry, say that again. Yorgos <laughs> Lathamoth's... Try right, saying that three Lanthimos. times. <laughs> yeah, <Jess>. exactly. <laughs> um... It's his film Dogtooth, Dog which is totally his first film ever. Um, uh, <laughs> it's his directorial debut. And uh, yeah, then we'll just tease what's happening in the cinemas this week and what cool. comes up next week on the show. I'm so, down for that. Hey yeah. guys, how are we? That. Watching movies and stuff. Yes, yeah. movies. Movies. We do Cinema. That. Well, how, Jesse, how popcorn. are you? Popcorn. How are you doing last week? Yes, I'm very happy. Um, this is like. First time on a podcast, so you know. Wow, oh, like ever. Oh well, no, crazy. actually, like, that's a bit of a lie. I tried doing my own podcast once, and already lying. Of, with yeah. Five <laughs> seconds into the podcast, <laughs> first time on a proper legit podcast with a studio and proper legit. You yeah. know, not being on on the floor of someone's right. room with a little mic. <laughs> and you want you wanted to be on four weeks ago when that's exactly what we were doing. doing. Yeah. <laughs> in my room with a mic, but um, uh, yeah, no. yeah, it's a good room though. It was uh, very professional in here. It's nice. Thank you, thank yeah. you. We'll maybe get up though. a couple of bit of artwork, maybe one Some time or something. Yeah. But anyway, we'll just take over the room. <laughs> yeah, well, we've we pretty much owned this room for the last two yeah, years. That's pretty much true. Be fair. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah, no movies. What have you guys been watching? Um, I've been very poor this last week. I've been, doing pretty, I've been pretty good the last couple Boo. of weeks, but this—I know—I'm <laughs> terrible. No, I've just um, no, I've had a weird week in film. I haven't watched anything new outside of um, Dogtooth, but um, it's part of a movie night last week, uh, last Wednesday, okay. which yeah. um was quite cool. fun, and we w- we watched we watched a few classics. We we watched Chicken Run. Which oh was fun. yes, love so Chicken good. Run. It's so good. It's very funny. I didn't realize how. Funny Haven't watched it, was. it in about ten years. I know it's it's, it's worth a rewatch. It's so it's so good. Oh, it is. Well, the one problem with doing this three sixty five challenge is it does take up a it lot of your time. It doesn't lean towards rewatching classics. Yes. <sighs> And it's almost like I almost want to be like, oh, I haven't watched it in 15 years. Like, if I watched it as a child, does yeah. it really count as watching it? Exactly. Mm. No, yeah. I, I've had that same issue because obviously I do this, a similar thing to music. I don't, I'm not as very good mm. at it. <laughs> yes. But I do keep track of every film, every new film I watch every year. And that's mm. the issue is 
you know, um, well, like, it doesn't count if you've seen it 15 years ago and don't remember anything about the it. The problem I yeah. have with some childhood films is, like, I remember loving Brother Bearers, uh, like, when I was younger, Ooh. but Bear. I can't... I don't know if I can revisit, like, films like that, because I feel like if well, I'm going to watch it, I'm going to be, like, gonna I'm gonna be like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. So, like, I want to hold on to that. So no, there are some, true. like, childhood films I'm like, I'm never it's going back to that. It's a gamble you take. Yeah. Because you don't know if it's actually good or not. Mm. Admittedly, yeah, I went back to Atlantis and still loved it. So okay, fair enough. There are there are times you got to take that. Oh, Spirit, like mm, was yeah. another one that was in that. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna. I enjoyed yeah. it way more. Yeah. Well, speaking of films that um, like you just can't remember if you saw it 15 years ago. Or what the uh, deal was? Another film we watched that night was The Aristocats. And I've never Ooh. seen The Aristocats. I don't know if I've ever seen it. I know that's it's, obviously crazy. the song like everybody wants to be a cat. Like that's classic. <laughs> But I don't know if I've actually sat down and watched the film as a child. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember seeing your snap and was like, I've never seen the Aristocats. I wow. watched wow, Oliver okay. and Company a lot mm. and like other animal films, but yeah. I never watched the Aristocats. So. I don't know if I have. I could not tell you for the life of me. I'll admit I've never seen Aristocats either. Maybe we oh, should wow. watch it. Jesse, me and you will sit down and watch the Aristocats. Yeah, okay. Well, I need, I need to properly watch it because we... We, should, we definitely need to watch it properly that We need night. to stay away from dog tooths. That's what <laughs> I mean. Dog Let's tooths. Go to I have corrupted your mind. Yeah. What about the Aristo dogs and cat the Aristo- tooth? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jesse? Uh, so I made an effort to actually watch a couple of, like a variety of films this week. Um, so I might actually just breeze through a couple because there's one film in particular that I and saw. And this is the one I really want to hear about this yeah. one. Yeah, okay. So, so I saw At Eternity's Gates, the uh, Willem Dafoe, um, Vincent van Gogh movie. Um, very interesting. It's quite a meditative piece. Like not a lot actually happens, but it's got really great performances and the uh, visuals are like amazing. It's, it's all kind of from uh, van Gogh's perspective. It's kind of like a really almost first-person kind of point of view. That was okay. good. Heard it was definitely a very polarising film. Some people yeah. thought it was like that pretentious two-art house, I can house. see why people might like it, because it is not a lot actually does happen. It's quite like, like, just a couple of things happen and then it ends kind of thing. But um, I thought I'd just breeze past that. That one's like, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, I rewatched Good Time. Um, that's I... the Safdie Brothers' recent film. Uh, came out in 2017. First time I saw that was in 2017. I was going to say 2015. I watch films before they come out. No, I usually do though. Yeah, I do. Um, (laughs) I watched that for the first time in 2017, and I was at the outdoor cinema, and it was like late at night, and I just wasn't. You know when you're just not in the mood, and you're just not really paying attention. It was late at night. I was tired. I was having a crap. I I got a really. I I totally agree because I watched Good Time, and it just kind of went. It was, yeah. that, it was not a good time. But, it was an automatic pilot sort of thing. No, gotcha. but like, I, I didn't not like it. I just couldn't really engage with it. So I gave myself a good solid year and a half, and I decided, right, I'm going to sit down and watch this. And I sat down, and I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. I loved it the second time around. Just I like, need to revisit it. Robert then. Pattinson is, like, amazing. And, like, it's just... What I find fascinating about it is the entire film's almost set, like, over the course of, like, a whole day... But it just feels like the it feels like it's set over a longer time period. Yeah, but it's actually yeah. only really over a day, and it's just quite exhausting because it's like they go from here, then they go here, and then they're here, and like they're not really sleeping at all, and you just feel the exhaustion coming from them. It's right. it's funny like with Robert Pattinson because like I've watched other films with him, 
after watching Good Time, I mm. watched The Rover with him and Guy Pearce, oh, okay. which is a, an Australian film that came out. I've got that in my Blu-ray collection, but mm-hmm. I bought it a couple of years ago. I never, and I haven't never actually watched, watched it, it yet. Yeah. It's just sitting there. Well, he goes from... <laughs> like The funny part about Good Time is he has a mentally challenged brother, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's a mentally challenged person in The Rover. Mm. So mm. it's funny, and they're a year apart from each other. Yeah. Like he, he plays a mentally challenged person and then went on to be, do Good yeah, Time, where he's doing the opposite. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which I thought... He's cool got a... Circle. He's kind of got like the Daniel Radcliffe of like quirky kind of like just explores everything. Yeah. I love what Daniel Radcliffe does mm. now. Like well, just it's like the perfect thing for him to do mm. in his situation. The one thing I like about Robert Robert Pattinson is like obviously Twilight like skyrocketed his career. Yeah. Um and you know, he got really popular Even off that. Now he's terrible he's, in you it. know, <laughs> had all teen girls like swooning over him. But now like He's been selecting his roles very carefully. Yeah. Like he's trying so hard to distance himself from that. Like I would not be like I haven't really seen him do like a big budget film like recently. Like mm. it's mainly been like these small art house stuff, which is I appreciate that because it's so easy just to sell out and go right. I'm going to do a Marvel film or something like that. But no, well, he, it's almost like he's t- he's got his money and now he can yeah, just be like, he, well, he's now doing I... what he wants to do as opposed to doing something that he has to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed Good Time a second time round. I like that it almost feels kind of documentary esque, like the way the cameras. Like yeah. the camera work in it is quite like rough and it's um a lot of handheld and yeah. you know it, it looks like it was shot on film. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, but yeah, let's it... look it up. Let's get him. Zeke. Let's get him back. Let's get him. <laughs> a chance for revenge is happening. But um yeah, the main the main film that I wanted to talk about was uh, a little film that came out film. this week called uh, Vox Lux. Uh, you know what I'm really happy about what? is that we took. I love it when we, we go. It last yeah, we week, mentioned it. We yeah. go. It's coming up in cinemas, and then either one of us one watches of us it, or it. now our guest is watching it. Yeah, which is great because I did that with the front runner when the front runner yeah. came. Yeah, and out. then I did it for Cold Pursuit. Yes. Mm. So, so the trend going. I had heard all I'd no- heard about this movie was that. Natalie Portman delivered, like, a next-level performance in it. And I was like, okay. And I thought it was going to be, like, this super, like, big Academy, like, all awards season it was going to sweep. But then, like, I heard nothing about it for a while and I kind of forgot about it. Mm. And then it, like, dropped. And I was like, oh, I might go see this. And it was nothing... Like, I watched the trailer. The trailer is not what the film is. Like, they do a really good job at hiding what the film actually is. That's a good thing. And I'm not going to spoil it, because there are some really, like... Like, me and my mates all walked in, and we were expecting one thing, and then we got something that was completely different for the better. Mm. Like, we we, we had... It was such a great experience. Um, I wouldn't say it was an enjoyable film. It was probably, like, a really intense film. It almost felt like a thriller in some like a pseudo thriller like i i sent this message you compared it to whiplash yeah like you me. know how whiplash okay. is a thriller yeah in in ways it's kind of like that it's just very intense like the way it it is um is it like black swan meets a star is born in a kind of way it almost it's not as dark as black swan but it kind of is like the the ugly the ugly um, alternative of A Star is Born, because A Star is Born, yes, it does have its dark moments, but it is ultimately like this glamorised Hollywood romanticised love yeah. story. And, yeah, okay, I really enjoyed it, yes, but, like, 
that is maybe one of its downfalls, is that it's still like that, oh, it's a love story, and oh, you know, they love each other, and so well, I think that's amazing. one of the biggest weaknesses in A Star yeah. Is Born, is that the lower points don't feel as low as they mm. should. But this, this is like, almost like a big slap in the face to like, capitalism, and um, you know, just this like, pop star kind of celebrity lifestyle, and how like, the media tries to glamorise it and commercialise on tragedies and, you know, they'll take something that's really bad that's happened in the world and they'll be like, okay, we're going to try and make money off of this. Um, so, yeah, that is... Hold on, let me have a look at my notes here. Um, one of the things I noticed about it is, okay, it is a small film, but it almost feels like a... I, I don't know how best to describe this other than it almost felt like a religious epic, something like a Ben-Hur. Like it, okay. If it, it, on paper, it's small, but it felt grand in scale. It oh, felt okay. Like, wow. Was it like the a, way it was shot? Or like uh, a mixture of things. So yeah. the reason why it felt like this, it was it's told in two parts. So you've got the first chapter is called Genesis. It's very biblically influenced. <laughs> mm. Second chapter is called Regenesis. Okay. Um, and throughout the film, there's some, like, B-roll kind of cutaway shots of um, the towering New York City, like, skyscrapers and that. And, okay. like, they pair it with this, like, really intense, like, um, like orchestral score. And um, they, um, interestingly, they even have uh, Willem Dafoe doing the narration for it. And he's, like... Okay. He's bringing us on this journey throughout, like the story of of the rise of this this pop star, and it almost feels like you're watching like some life changing event, like some documented life changing event that is gonna shape the world that's kind really of thing. Awesome. That's that's pretty. It's interesting. Yeah, it's like I wasn't expecting it from that, and then it just it just. I, I admire Bradley... Uh, sorry, his name's Brady Corbett. I kept thinking it was Bradley, Bradley Corbett. <laughs> I could be Bradley Cooper. The director's name is yeah. Bra- Brady Corbett. Um, and yeah, yeah he does... He, for his something cousin. that on paper feels like it's really small, like they really make it feel like this grand film. And um, another moment I really like, I'm not going to spoil it, but like, obviously because it's about a pop star, there's one concert scene. Now... The difference between this and A Star Is Born is in A Star Is Born they have the concert at the very start. You know the one where Bradley yeah the, playing. the fish eye yeah. sort of the and then the you start scene, to learn yeah. about how he's like and he abuses alcohol and, and like, like that, yeah, yeah yeah so they actually leave the concert towards the end of the film okay and you first are introduced to this character and, and over time you see how this character treats their family and how they respond to like um uh substance abuse and stuff mm-hmm. like that so that when that concert comes at the end it's one of the most intense concerts because you're sitting there wondering like right. is this person going to have that bradley cooper uh grammys moment from a star is born where they just pass out like <laughs> is it, this yeah. person gonna like get, like what what the hell is gonna happen kind of thing so i really admire it for that like they didn't just so it's definitely lining up more with being a thriller at that point because yeah, it's showing yeah. stake like, and building. They didn't yeah. use the concert as the framing device at the start. It was almost like the concert was like kind of like the afterthought kind of at the end. It's like, oh, yeah, also she's a... like. It's yeah. more about her backstage antics and, yeah. and her rising to fame as opposed to the actual concert itself. Well, I think that, that that's the difference between A Star Is Born and this yeah. film because it's like A Star Is Born definitely... The concerts serve more as a means to express the relationship yeah. between Bradley Cooper and Lady yeah, Gaga. Definitely. Whereas, obviously, this one feels more like yeah, like character building to 
a concert. Mm. Well, it's, it's that thing as well with um, like in A Star Is Born, they establish they got to establish early on that Bradley Cooper can perform. Yeah, and he's good on stage, and it's all the antics behind that you need to establish early, so that then the Grammy scene has that impact of no, nope, he's lost his grip. Yeah, while it seems the other way around in this other one. Yeah. Um, the one final thing I'll say about this before I move on to you, um, I absolutely adored the soundtrack. So, um, yeah. the soundtrack was, uh, written mostly by Sia, okay. the Australian performer. Love Sia. And the, it's divided. It's another Gaga-esque person, to be <laughs> oh, honest. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. she... No, you, but I love it. She's yeah. awesome. Like, man. in Vox Sucks, like, you can clearly tell this is, like, supposed to be taking the piss out of Lady Gaga, because, like, just right. the way she dresses and everything, she feels very Gaga. Um, so, so the soundtrack is kind of divided into three parts. So one third is the orchestral epic music that I was talking about earlier. One third is, um, performed by, uh, the actress Raffi Cassidy, who plays the younger Natalie Portman. Mm -hmm. And then another third is performed by Natalie Portman herself. So it's interesting how they do that. And like, there's one particular song where they have... Raffi Cassidy performing that song, and then they got Natalie Portman performing the same song when she's older. And it is interesting to see the two because obviously when she's younger, it's a lot more stripped back and more raw. But when it's the Natalie Portman one, it's more studio pop, like mm. Hottest 100 kind of like epic song kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no. I, well, Jesse, I think you've sold me on this film. Yeah, you need to check yeah, it out. Even exciting. if you don't like it, like it's. Definitely one to check out, I reckon. Deserves more praise. No, that's cool. I think, uh, yeah. I think I'm think i due for a movie this week, so maybe I'll catch... Yeah. catch I always catch things. Natalie Portman in a movie, so, you know, I think she's yeah. amazing. I, mean, I really I, do. I like the excitement you said about how it feels very much like a Bible epic almost. It, yeah, it, it feels it's, very grandiose. Yeah. Like, it just feels, like, huge. Like, you're it's, like, whoa, this is, like, yeah. this is happening. This is, like... Mm. It, like... And this... It, it's even more apt when, uh, like... The character has a bit of a god complex to yeah. her. Like, you know, she thinks she's so important. And it's like, I, it needs that. It can't just be a little... Yeah. And considering it's only, like, got a... Only shot in, like, a couple of different locations. There aren't that many locations they go right. to, really. Quite strict. So, right. so, like, yeah, the fact that it does feel that big is like, wow, this is very weird, but I like it. Well, I, just, like, I love the commentary on it because, like, if you really think about it in terms of like, the population um, back when, you know, Bible stories and stuff were... Uh, way huger than they are now, or at least well known. Like mm. you know, there was a time when you would just assumed everyone has read the Bible. Yeah, and now that now we're in a world where you assume everyone knows Lady Gaga music. Yeah, yeah, pretty so much. I really kind of like that comparison. There, yeah, you know, what they've yeah. done with that. Definitely, oh. I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'll probably catch it this week. Now, yeah. so good stuff. You've sold a Vox Lux ticket. <laughs> 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 Pay up. Pay up. Who, now. who, who, who um, produced the film? Ah, uh, so. Uh, Funnily enough, so Sia produced part of it, okay. and Jude Law and Natalie Portman exec produced, and there's a list of producers with it too. Yeah. I actually saw an article when I was looking at looking it up. Apparently, Natalie Portman didn't even know she was credited as executive <laughs> producer. <laughs> she was just like, "Ah, oh, okay." Cool. <laughs> well, but, I owe you money now. You sold a ticket. Yeah, yeah, sold nice. two tickets actually. Yeah, cool. So I'm at film fifty to fifty-six. Oh, you caramba. Almost about to catch you, Jake. Almost got me, like a week or two away. I think I am literally a week away. I think I'll get to sixty-three. I'll get to sixty-two. I think I got to sixty-two. Yeah, I think that was. So by next episode, I would have drawn you. By March, <laughs> that's so <laughs> sad. Um, oh, so, film fifty was Jesse's actual recommendation, Patterson. Yes. 
Um, and that was, uh, is it Jim Jarmusch? Jim Jarmusch. I haven't seen any of his other films, but I've been meaning to check them I out. I feel like he's... It, I feel like... He, didn't he make a film last year that was quite talked about? I'm pretty sure. Um, I would like to fact check. I would fact check that. But Patterson, I did enjoy... He doesn't want us to get the jump on him again. Yes. Um, I'm trying to bait him into it. Uh, so Film 50 was 2016's Patterson, which mm. I enjoy. I love Adam Driver. Um... As someone who frequently catches a bus, how how do you, like, could you relate to it? That was really cool. I really enjoyed it, especially every time he had different conversations. Mm. It's one of those films that I don't think you can really, it would really probably require, (laughs) it would be in the movie of the week category of it needs a good breakdown of of genre. And it was a great shift from some of the other films I caught this week. (laughs) Um, The magic, the next one was, 51 was... The Magic Pill, 2017. Magic Pill. Did, like, it's one of those things, that I said this to you, Jake, it was, it was one of those films that, documentary, great idea, but it really goes to show Netflix, because it was Netflix or, uh, original, um, goes to show pretty much anyone could pick up a camera and claim oh, yeah. that they're making a documentary. Because Just the, flail the camera around, like, oh, it's art. I don't like when you, <laughs> well, I don't like, see, if you're going to use a gimbal, in, and this is getting into the technical aspect. If you're going to use a gimbal and get that floaty camera effect, you've got to consistently deliver a, a similar sort of style the whole way out, unless it's like found footage and stuff like that. Whereas this mm. director had moments where he clearly had one of those like $1,200 gimbals and he was God, using yeah. it. And then it would cut to just this terribly lit, like, piece to camera. It Ooh. was. It was real shaky, and the, the, yeah. the worst part was the message in it was really profound and quite clever, but it loses Don't so do many drugs. Marks. Well, I was talking about <laughs> dietary things, actually. I've never, I've never, I've never seen this film before, so I have no idea. Well, the, magic, the magic pill discusses how the, keto, the ketogenic diet, so oh, a high-fat, okay. low-carb diet, is actually how humans were meant to be eating, and the fact that we've introduced carbs over the last uh, millennium has actually been a state of, of... It's basically got a capitalistic agenda and it's a pro-keto keto diet. And I watched it with a, a keto diet, <laughs> dietarian James. Oh, really? So he was loving ah, it. I Whereas I, I was kind of like, I couldn't... I he even was taken back. Some of the music was terrible. It was like classic stock music. It was Ooh, shocking. Nice. In contrast, <laughs> hey, screw you! I got disconnected. <laughs> Although disconnected has a consistent camera structure, unlike yes. what you're saying, the it is handheld. Well, if anything, I walked away from this film knowing that a 21 year old me could probably make a documentary on the same level. So that was Which nice is, to yeah, know. That's... And this was coming from a 52 year old man. I kind of want to so... see it now just to see kind of what was the budget on it. Anyhow, funny bro. thing, funny you ask. I searched it up Damn. 20 minutes into the film because I was like... <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes in. I was 20 okay. minutes into the film and I went, ah, the documentary, I went, oh, I wonder what the budget was in this. <laughs> Couldn't find a budget, so I'm assuming Couldn't it wasn't, it. wasn't wow. big. Oh, no, because um, it's a Netflix original, right? I think it's got the Netflix original band. Because yeah. Netflix do doesn't it. release their numbers. They will yeah. release... I think they release their viewership numbers or something like that, but they don't... Because yeah. it... It's not like a normal standard cinema release kind of thing. Um, that's why it's kind of like when they say, oh, Bright was the most popular film of 2017. When, you know, Netflix mm-hmm. is Bright. Yeah. The most popular film of 2017 was searched on Netflix. It's like 
Yeah, but if that was released in cinemas, it would have bombed at the box office. Yeah, exactly. Office. The, same thing, it's the same thing with um, Bird Box. Would have bombed. Yeah, it would have. But everyone's like, oh, everyone's talking about Bird Cause, Box. Because you can just watch it. It's yeah. just there. Which so. breaks into like a whole different conversation about where we're, we're shifting. But we've got to yeah. account for Netflix originals. I mean, we, yeah. we've talked about two of the best films of last year being yeah. like, you know, like Roma and, and Private Life. We talked about those in earlier episodes and they were both put under yeah. the Netflix original Was banner. Private Life, I guess both of them were kind well, of... Netflix just kind of snatched them, I imagine. Yeah, they point. technically, if you watch them, Netflix, the Netflix logo comes up at the start. and they, Yeah, you know, but I, I mean, in terms of how early in the production stage did they know Netflix yeah, was going to be their yeah, it, There's Usually a bit of a after. difference because um, I know with Annihilation, that wasn't a Netflix oh, that was, film. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I think it was Paramount or something like that. They had a US distribution, but then... When they were like, oh no, we're not going to release it to the world because no one's going to pay to see an Alex Garland film. The guy who won a Best VFX yeah. Oscar for Ex Machina. Like, Still not seen Ex Machina. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, add that to the list. But like, <laughs> Annihilation isn't really a Netflix original because yeah. th- they only just picked it up just to distribute it. It was already complete. While basically. it's something like, um, oh can't think of one. No, it's fair. <laughs> you know, like, there are ones that are, like, start off as a Netflix original, like... Yeah, from the get Bandersnatch would have been, like, your Black Mirror, right, aren't they? Yeah, well, all... they've been no, doing Black Mirror um, for years now. Um, Black Mirror started out as a... Well, the first couple of seasons, First eh? couple of seasons started out as just a British TV show, and then Netflix picked it up. But you would say Bandersnatch is definitely... specifically. I think that one's specifically a Netflix. Yeah, yeah that, that one specifically, be. maybe. But yeah. the well, series as a whole is not a Netflix show. Okay. Um, it, yeah, it's... Next kind one, of next one up. Atomic Blonde. Which I don't yeah, know why. We about oh, so no. You do not like. Oh my god. Here we oh, go. Oh boy. Where are just, we? Here we I, go. I, Gloves are getting on. I, right. Okay. I was so oh, hyped for this film. I was like, okay, it's one of the directors of uh, John Wick because there's two directors of the first John that Wick. That does not remotely surprise me. Um, and I was like, right, it's one of them. And I'm like, this is gonna be great. And I love the trailer. It had um, Killer Queen from Queen and. You know, like it looked really cool. I like yes. the kind of the neon kind of. I personally don't like. Queen songs in movies at all. I'm a pretty anti-Queen. Okay. But I didn't like the trailer and like the movie, so I can't wait for... So I watched the trailer, I was like, this is going to be great. And then I watched, I'm like, asides from the the one-take hallway scene... Which he mentioned uh, to me. (laughs) Other than that, this is a pretty much nothing film. I can't remember, like, half of what happened in that movie. It just went over... I was like, yep. Cool. I don't care. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. It was just so bland. I think it was definitely a B oh. John Wick film. Like I'd, I'd said. That's to... what it felt like. It felt like a knockoff of John Wick, but in a bad way. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say bad. I wouldn't say as like knockoff is the way I would definitely frame it. I would say it's like almost like in the feels like it's in the John Wick park. I think this, the the last twenty minutes completely just bring the film down to its like borderline to its knees because mm. it's. It's convoluted, it's confusing, it's yeah. like, it's too twisty-turny, but like, I think Charlize Theron and James McAvoy, they do what they do best, and mm. that's almost enough to just get you through this film. I think James McAvoy's great in it. Mm. And I'm not a huge He's... Charlize Theron fan, but I liked her in this film. See, the performances were okay, I just think they just were given shit to work with. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. James McAvoy always is great. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, Pineapple Express. 
I just want to run through this one because it's not a big deal. Everyone Everyone's it's a it, it, the biggest comment I could say. It's nice to see David Gordon Green. Question: yes. Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Yes. No. Yes. I'm sorry, but no. you can leave. Oh. You can leave. Yeah, I like how you pointed I feel, away I from Jesse, the... I think you're really going to like Disconnected. I this am the, cut- is addressed I in am this the film. podcast host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Pineapple on pizza, come on. Um, Paddleton, which just got released on Netflix. It's a... Are you sure you don't mean Paddington? No, it's Paddleton. Paddleton. Whoa. Um, Whoa. Thank you very much. Is <laughs> that the fuzzy bear? <laughs> no, it's, a, um, it's another bromantic. apparently those are amazing movies. I didn't realise that. Oh, yes. yeah. Film Twitter loves hyping up Paddington 2. They're like, it's the greatest movie of, of 2018. I'm like, okay. I'm sure it's fine. But... <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. So Paddleton's 2019. Latest film released on Netflix this okay. week, actually. Well, yeah. um, thought I'd chop it in. It's a Ray Romano film, which is kind of wow. funny to... Okay. Say that, and it's basically um, a sort of a bromantical drama comedy about um, a terminally one of the their two introverted friends. One of them gets terminally ill, and so you're gonna say one of them turns into a mammoth. <laughs> Honestly, that would be so good. That'd be so good. You just start growing tusks. What in the world? It's a charmingly nice film. Uh, just check it out. It's on Netflix. It's just check it out. Just man. check it out. Check it out. Check it Easy out. watch. Uh, Ken Jong's. I got that. I got that right, Jesse. Yeah, this time. Ken, Ken <laughs> Jong. Kevin yeah. Jong. Ke- he said Kevin on Jong. the car right here. He said, "Oh yeah, that good old um Kevin Jong." And I love Ken Jong too. <laughs> Is there um, an un at the end there? What's that? Is there an un at the end of his name? No. Okay. I don't, that joke did not land everyone's heads. Funny ho, which I wasn't. I'm not including. Stand-up comedy specials, I don't believe this counts as a stand-up comedy special because watch it. I watched it with one of my friends, Oliver, and we both kind of agreed. It has funny moments, but it's mainly him recounting how he went from being a doctor to an actor and the actor in The Hangover and the the little Asian man in the the boot of the car, which is really interesting to watch. Mm. And then, of course, Dogtooth, which we'll talk about later in the show. Um, <laughs> basically, we're moving to uh, anything us. happening in our film's career lately. Our film's career. Um, um, well, I can, I can just give another plug for Disconnected, yes, which by the time this uh, next podcast, episode seven, comes out, would have had its first official uh, premiere screening. Congratulations! So, in a week you. in advance. Yeah, no, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what <laughs> happens. It might, it might come crushing down. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's basically your last chance to get tickets. Um. We're pretty much at the end of the process which is very, very exciting. I was actually meant to pick up the final, like, official soundtrack tonight. It's happening tomorrow afternoon now. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And just to recap what's going to happen if you're available that 1st of March, uh, the night of, it's at the Backlot Theatre in Perth uh, from 7.30, so you get there early and uh, make sure you get your ticket prior because I would assume we're not doing any tickets at the door. So, from what it's looking like now, so don't do that. And then uh, I'll have a bit of a five-minute opening. We're going to screen Cradle on the big screen, which is exciting. Uh, even if you've already seen the film, it's going to look nice and very pretty on the big screen. And then we'll have the actual film disconnected and then the uh, hosted by our precious Zeke Morgenhind, our Q&A panel discussion. Yeah. See, what would be hilarious and kind of mean is what? if one of us just bought all the tickets to it and just no one showed up. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, sold out! And then yeah, there's just exactly. one person just in the crowd. Yeah. That'd be so one good. face in the crowd, yeah. The to, be fair, <laughs> to be fair, you would have uh, to he's physically... He's just going to go through his entire <laughs> <Yeah. and> then... <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, you would have to... Um, 
give me uh, all the money in the world for that. That, that so, is true. So and I would still get a pretty decent payday. And not the Ridley that. Scott film. If not embarrassed to death by the... Uh, no, we actually are <laughs> selling pretty well, so... Will That's you be attending, Jesse? Um, I was, but then it's my girlfriend's birthday, so I Wait, can't you take make your girlfriend that. to her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I, I really wish I could go, but yeah, other commitments, unfortunately. Um, I actually did find a photographer last night. Okay, uh, that's good. That's so, good. Uh, so we got that taken care of. I've been replaced. You've been replaced. <laughs> um, oh, no. Am I allowed to? Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. technically it's um, uh, awesome. I mean, at the end of the day, the whole point of this show is to bring on other film people. Yeah, to talk about, about all of our careers and how they're either not going anywhere, or they're going <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> uh, so Zeke and Jake know that I've finished uni now, so I've got a lot more time, free time on my hands. Yes. So I've been, um, I've started writing a script. I'm about five pages Ooh. into a first draft of my next venture since overdue. Um, What's Overdue? Overdue. It's a film that I made. Fake. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any any, any progress that I might think that? we might get to see uh, Overdue? Maybe sometime I might dump it online in a couple of months. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but with this current script I'm working on at the moment, I'm kind of keeping it super top secret at the moment. Um, I will reveal more down the line kind of thing. Um, but... To give a bit of a tease, I'm kind of making a drama with a with a little hint of sci-fi in it, um, and it's really testing my grammar skills at the moment because, like, I have to use the word "its," but every time I write the word "its," I'm not sure if it's "i t s" or "i t apostrophe s." And it's just like it's it's driving me insane because yeah. I'll type it and I'm like that's the one with the apostrophe that it's that you just <laughs> used. <laughs> it's driving me insane because I'm like, to be is fair, that the right yeah. use of that word? It's to a three-letter word. I finally cracked the code only a few months ago on it's and it's. Yeah, it took me that long in my life to crack it, and it yeah. finally just kind of hit me one day, and I was like, it is an it's. Yeah. Well. Ah. Zeke's just like pulling the most absurd faces right now. It feels right so simple, He's but so when I get down to like writing about, <laughs> y'all write scripts. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's kind you of. You want to talk about your first drafts and their grammar? Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're like a they're like a coke addict's writing script. Uh, did Frank Reynolds write that script when he was drunk? Yeah, probably. Um, Method writing. Method did writing. Bradley Cooper write that when he was... Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, he did. Or Sam Elliott? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those two on screen in A Star is Born. <laughs> well, we, we watched A Star is Born in the last week. We did. Well, we watched separately, but like we, I got it on Blu-ray, so I rewatched yes. it and stuff. And, yeah. I think it'll be good... Um, because next week will be the Oscars episode. Right? The Oscars. I thought you were going to say the Oscars. Because it's first. Well, we, well, it's tomorrow, isn't it? Tomorrow morning. Do we want to talk 8 about 8.45 a.m. Do we want to talk about any of that? Or? No, I think we can just leave that and kind of do a wrap thing next week, I reckon. All I'll say... Before, yeah, let's just all throw a best all picture. Throw, exactly, exactly. Throw best picture. Who gets picked? Okay, I, okay I'll, I'll give two. So... I want The Favourite to win because it's an amazing film and Yorgos deserves some more love. Um, but I feel like it's either going to be like Roma or maybe Green Book. I don't want it to be Green Book, but it probably will be. Okay. I don't think I don't think Green Book... I, I, I don't know. I just don't see it in the talk enough. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I think you've got, got a too late a push and too many critics... 
think it's too safe, which right. the, the Academy listens to that stuff, in my opinion. Can we all just mutually agree that Bohemian Rhapsody should not win Best Picture? No, or Black Panther? Not. Oh, yeah. I'd rather be Black Panther over Bohemian Rhapsody, but I get, yeah, yeah. There's a flat. Those no, two. If, if Black Panther wins I would be, at all, I'm um, going to just be insulted. Cause... I would be amazed if Vice won. That would be like just something Ooh, that'd right, be like, Ooh, okay, okay, be very come out at like left of field, just well, like Vice, hey, Vice is. I still haven't caught it. I'm a terrible person, so Vice is the only one I haven't seen from these knobs. So I can't say whether I like I know if it's going to well, win or if I think I was, it should win or anything. I was that. talking to Jake earlier, and uh, film Twitter Ooh. hates Vice. They think it's just like really just they hate how. Dick Cheney is portrayed as both an asshole and kind of sympathetic character. They're like, oh no, our characters can't be multi-layered. I mean, you've <laughs> seen the film, haven't you, Jesse? Yeah, yeah. How good is that post-credit scene where oh, they're like, yeah. see that to me, I think gave it like instant half point yeah. for me because yeah. I was just like, it basically showcases exactly what that Twitter sphere is like. Yeah. When yeah. watching a film about a Republican. They go, well, this film was entirely made by Democrats, basically. (laughs) You libtard. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Um, So going back to it, I agree. I think Bohemian Rhapsody and Black Panther should be nowhere near that conversation. Um, But I I think I've got here, I've ranked them, and I've actually got Roma on top of the favourite. I actually think I enjoyed Roma even more. And those are easily the top two. Yeah, they both got ten nominations each, so yeah, they're like geez. the they're the front runners. Yeah, not to... absolutely <laughs> not the Hugh Jackman no. film. Yeah, the Hugh Jackman film. No, I want to see that. I think. Um, I hope uh, Roma wins. I'm I f- gonna. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd be okay if Roma wins. It wasn't my favorite personally, but I'd I, I'd be fine with it winning. I think A Star Is Born has a better chance than people give it credit for. Yeah, even though like it's getting no recognition anywhere else really, but I think Sam Elliott will pick up best supporting. Actor for it. Oh no, that that'll be a Green Book win, I think. Best supporting. You reckon? I think I'm so. Sam Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I think we're up to. I mean, that. it would definitely win best um, original song. Well, we can definitely do a full breakdown next week. Yeah, it would absolutely. be hilarious if Shallow did not win best song if they gave it to. Like, um, I don't even know what else is even nominated. Oh, so, um, uh, so one of the songs from Mary Poppins and um, the okay. when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings from uh, Buster Scruggs. I really want Buster wow. Scruggs. It would to win be that. amazing if that won. Everyone would just be like, "And it shall." Oh wait, <laughs> hold on. What's going <laughs> on here? Over there, everyone is going to say. <laughs> Lady Shadow. Gaga's just crying moon, in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> I legit would be so. I didn't really dig Buster Scruggs, but I've talked about it before. Um, but it, I would kill to see Shallow get knocked off by... That uh, would be amazing. Like, a, I, love, I love Shallow, yeah. but it would be hilarious if it got knocked yeah. off. I but, honestly couldn't tell you what I think's going to win. I honestly just don't know. It's hard to call. Here's the big one before we move into Movie of the Week. Before we move into Movie Week, I'm just going to yep. do one just one word question. Yeah. One, one answer, whatever. Um, are you going to watch it? I can't. I want to, but I I can't watch it. I've got classes for like running seven hours straight tomorrow. Okay. And what about you? Yep. Um. Me and my mates are meeting up at a friend's house eight forty five. He's making mimosas and uh, <laughs> so we humbly we humbly accept the invite to uh, your Oscar party. <laughs> yeah. No, I would totally just like piggyback on you. I physically can't watch him tomorrow, and I'm Shout really out. annoyed by that. Shout out to my boy Brinkworth for uh, hosting this Oscar event. I will not be watching it. So, just, just don't care? Nah, I don't care. Fair enough. They went on too long. It's uh, Honestly, I love that they talked about the BAFTAs was less than 
90 minutes. Yeah. So I would imagine... I'm shocked God they're forbid, so long, these award shows. I just... I don't need them. I mean... I don't know. Like, I honestly think, like, you'd be you'd be chuffed to be a part of the Oscars, but at the same time, would you really want to sit in any sort of award ceremony for four hours? I mean, you're sitting and around that's like that's why they all get drunk. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Like, you're sitting around a lot of cool people. Ha- like, have you seen those times that Ricky Gervais hosts the Golden Globes? Like, he just like downs all those Fosters because he's like, this is fun, but this is a long ass night. Like, yeah. I I can't do this yeah. without a Fosters in my hand. Exactly. All right. So coming up on the show, our movie of the week, Yorgos Lathamos's Dogtooth. Stick around. Yorgos Lathmos has gone above and beyond from his humble beginnings, with this film being his breakout feature. Three teenagers live isolated without leaving their house because their overprotective parents say that they can only leave when their dog tooth falls out. A controlling, manipulative father, I'm not going to say all of these names, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> locks his three adult offspring in a state of perpetual childhood by keeping them prisoner within the sprawling family compound. Mm, the children are bored to tears in spite of distractions like Christina, an employee of their father's, who makes regular visits to sexually service the son. Increasingly curious about the outside world, the older daughter hatches a plan to escape. I don't think that really highlights how half this film makes you feel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to point out that that quote-unquote plot hatched a plan to escape is not addressed until 85 minutes into this 96-minute yeah. film. Can I also make a note from when you're reading that? Yeah. You said, like, the, the father, mother, and daughters. When I was, like, doing a bit of research on this film, on IMDb, like, no one actually has they any names, names in this film. They're casted it's as father, father daughter. son, older yeah. daughter, older younger daughter, daughter. daughter. I noticed that about... Christina tw- has a name, though. But yeah, about- except for Christina. <laughs> <laughs> about 20 minutes into the film... There is a conversation between the elder. They call it the eldest. Yeah. Uh, there's a line that they yeah, throw they away. Yeah, they say a couple times. The eldest. Where, where the, because the eldest is the eldest sister, right? It's not the brother. Yeah, there's only one son. Yeah, the yeah, son. One son, the two son is the middle child. Yep. And then it so goes the eldest and the youngest. Yes, and so, then the son. Yeah. And. What the I fuck did we just watch? First, first, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. What, what did we yeah, just Jesse watch? Yeah, Jesse, so for our first film with a guest. <laughs> Which will, in the future, the guests do get to pick our films, yeah, Jake. Yeah. So and this I was want, trial by fire. I wanted to... <laughs> and I'm sorry for throwing you guys in the deep end, but I wanted to pick something that great. was maybe a little bit left of field, something that maybe broadened your palate a bit, um, you know, because... You know, it's so easy just to watch like all the latest Marvel movies or all the latest. I mean, in this situation, I want to. I want to also have a father who doesn't let me leave the house. If that's what's <laughs> beyond the horizon. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I actually really enjoyed this film. I did too. It's honestly, it's one of those films that I always love. A film that can make one location. Yeah, like, that's mean true. That's something. true. I didn't even think about that. Honestly, um, the amount of student films I've seen that jump from fifth, like all these different locations, I'm like, just keep it in one location, please. Yeah, it makes absolutely. it so much more simpler. So you want to correct? I already made another mistake following the uh, Christopher Nolan fiasco. <laughs> so I was lis- I was on my way home last week. I was listening to the pod, and you said, "Oh yeah, so this is Gorgas Lanthimos's feature debut." 
And then I was like, hang on a minute. Oh, and man. I did a Google, and he released two films before this film. <laughs> One, his first... It's getting worse I'm, just not, gonna, I'm not going to say it His anymore. first debut was actually a co-directed film. I can't remember what the name was. And then he did a second film, and then he did Dogtooth. But it's a bit like Memento in a sense that this is the film that really skyrocketed his career. Um, it got him in the spotlight, basically. So, um, Well, thank you for the recommendation. Yes. And um, the correction. Yeah, and correction. <laughs> and Jake, I want to just get from you a quick verdict. Okay. Um, I'm going to be honest because the whole hype behind Jesse picking this movie or this film specifically to get us to just be like, what the hell did we just watch? <laughs> and then you having watched it before me and not mm-hmm. telling me anything, but just saying one, what was the one word you used to describe it was, what was it? Is it what the fuck? <laughs> Three words. Um, I thought that's a lot disturbed. of people's reaction you to said this movie. Disturbed. Disturbing, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and In the... going into that, it actually wasn't as like crazy or far out as I expected it to be. Probably because I actually have watched a lot more foreign I, films in the last year. than I was going to say, so. in this last... Even in this first two months of the year, we watched that short film, The Thing About the Johnsons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which, which yeah. Sits, oh, you know, you know this I one, haven't eh? seen it, but my okay. mate keeps talking about it. I'm like, I need to watch this. It, it blows by. Like, it feels five minutes. It feels so short. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, blow, it blows through. And it, it also sits in this kind of disturbia sort of like category yeah. of like yeah. uncomfortable things that mm. happen behind... Mm. closed doors or gigantic fences yeah, apparently exactly. well like it's interesting because there are a lot of films out there that are just so like feel good films but this is one that just really just makes you feel ugh oh, yeah. gross it's definitely, I definitely <laughs> you need to have a shower after yeah. It. yeah yeah definitely from that standpoint in terms of like the stuff that happens it's just really disturbing and like just the violence as well mm. the violence way more than any of the sexual oh, incest was... stuff just got to me way the, more than a lot that. of the um yeah, I actually 100% agree. Like, the bit when the son just walks in, the oldest just cuts him out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that, like, <laughs> whoa. Of course, yeah. as per norm, we're breaking into spoilers. I don't think there's yeah. a lot really to spoil. Well, it's really. been out since 2009. But, like, yeah. it doesn't, it, the movie doesn't, like, factor in with big, like, you know, you were, like, so protective of Vox Lux. Like, yeah. yeah. This movie, it's disturbing, and it's always going to be disturbing. And the only thing... Thing I would actually put on this one is it's uncomfortable and it has some really scenes that could easily turn people off this film immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, it does have an R rating in Australia. I realized that today. I because yeah. I knew when we at the end when we talked about how like is it available on Netflix? Or, like at the end when we talk about that, yeah. I wanted to see like can I just go to JB Hi-Fi and buy this? And yeah, it's rated R. And yeah, like, that makes sense. But you can buy it. Yeah, you can buy it at JB Hi-Fi. So. Um, um, and I think it, uh, you know, you, you said it in your description to yeah. me, it warrants its R rating. It does. Yeah, which it really, oh, it does. really does. Sometimes I feel like films don't warrant their R rating. Yeah. They have them. Green Room was mm. a big one I watched last year that's R, which I'm like, oh, it's gory, but it's like that gory in the sense that it's yeah, like almost like it comically gory. R rating, yeah. Um, well, do you mind if I give you a bit of background info on I some I do of this mind. Film. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you make us look really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Information is bad. Um, so just a little... I'm not even going to try and pronounce the actors' names in this. They're all we Greek. apologise. Um, yeah, so Greek film. Do by character, yeah. I'd say. So the lady who plays the older daughter, she also features in Yorgos's next film after this called Alps, and she oh. briefly makes an appearance in The Lobster as one of the maidens. Oh, she's the one she, that I do remember oh, that. Yeah. like she's the one that uh, uh, she looks very familiar. She goes to Colin Farrell's room and 
does some things to towards him. the start. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Wow. Um, Wait, that's the eldest. Uh, the oldest daughter, Angelica. Okay. Her and the Papula- director, they have uh, some sort of chemistry there. Yeah. They keep putting her in and roles. Unfortunately, <laughs> well, she has a pretty big role in the Lobster, doesn't she? Because she's the one who actually breaks Colin Farrow out. No, is it? This is just the maid. Yeah, yeah, this is the maid, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, this is more like the smaller role. Yeah. Oh, it's not she the maid that no, no, kind of becomes like, a loner. Yeah, yeah. Tempts him, and then basically. The, or... the lady who plays the youngest daughter, Mary Sonny, she actually died in 2017 at the age of 29. Um, I remember seeing the article and I was like, holy crap, is that the girl from Dogtooth? And then I did and then I looked and I'm like, oh, she's only 29. So that's kind of, Ouch. Kind of sad. That's like around Very that... Sad. You know, like Anton Yelchin kind of age. So twenty-seven to twenty-nine age, man. Yeah, yeah watch out. Yeah, watch out so for that. A, a couple of other facts about this: um, it won the pre in certain regard at Cannes in two thousand and nine, and it was also nominated best for best foreign, foreign language film. film at the eighty-third Academy Awards. Um, to give you a bit of a scope as to what the 83. consensus oh, consensus right, yeah. of this is, um, Greeks love it. David Lynch, who's, oh, yeah. like, you know, film hipsters love him. David Lynch loves it, considering the fact that he's gone on record saying he doesn't watch that many bon- modern films nowadays. Um, and even... It the... seems like it's favorite, his favourite comedy now, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah, what he said. yeah. Like, yeah. that's an article. He's like, oh, that's yeah, great. I love this film. It's, like, such a great comedy. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I just that's can't so stand good. David Lynch. That can't is so good. And oh. an interesting fact... <laughs> I found out um, was apparently at the time, uh, Greece's then Prime Minister, George Papandreou, I'm not sure that's how you pronounce Papandreou. it, he ended one of their cabinet meetings by talking about um, Dogtooth's Oscar nomination, and he said, um, it goes far beyond the world of cinema, it concerns the whole country, its people, the new generation of artists during difficult times. Of course, he's referring to, like, you know how Greece has had a lot of economic struggles, particularly in, like, the early to mid-2000s? Yeah. yeah. So, like, for your prime minister to get up and say, hey, that film really, like, is important for us. Like, could you imagine if Scott Morrison got up and said, hey, Hounds of Love is, like, amazing and <laughs> deserves all the recognition yeah. it gets? Exactly, yeah. Like, should do that. <laughs> so it's but, not yeah. just, like, some random Greek film that I've picked out of nowhere. Like, this is a film that's, like really well praised in Europe and even in parts of America as yeah. well. Would you say the praise was justified, Jake? I think I would say yes in the sense that um, while the issues that it tackles, I feel like I have seen, obviously not done this way, Yeah, the issues that it tackles um, in terms of uh, you know how you raise children and kind of how people are exposed to that kind of thing. That or stuff, like I said, I feel like I've kind of seen it before, but the way it does it is so unique. And it really does, the fact that this is a Greek film, it really mm-hmm. does feel like a Greek film. So mm-hmm. I can understand from the geographic point of view how it has that resonance there. Well, yeah, because it's, it's that sort of culture, that the, the cultural yeah, it's a context cultural. that you can, you know, subvert into it with family values of, of a lot of like, you know, Eastern European, Mediterranean sort yeah. of yeah. family households, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Of course, it... It doesn't have a softer touch. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> or like a direct punch. More like, you know, like, well, I mean... If anything, it has a wet touch when they're licking each other's shoulders. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> shoulders, yes. Yeah, just, I'm glad you said shoulders. Glad you said shoulders. 
I like to think we're not at the R rating for our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just, just, just chill, no, man. I think chill. <laughs> I think this film definitely doesn't have a softer touch, and it's like there are films made like I mean, like probably the most westernized version depictions of like Greek family households or like things like the my. Big, big fat, fat Greek, Greek wedding. And right. in that case, it's done for laughs. And it's like, ah, look, you know, they're big and they're loud and they're, you know, over the top and yeah. Yeah. And then you've got like, like there are heaps of films that cover Italian sort of households and stuff. Like there are countless ones. We don't, even have, to go, don't have to go into yeah, any. We just well, saw a Green Book. Yeah, That's exactly. Not just there. that. You got like things yeah. like Raging Bull, which like yeah. subvert those mm. sort of family values. I mean, Godfather and all that. I'm walking it's all that, You know, <laughs> it's that's it's, definitely a line. New York. Sure, I yeah. like yeah. this film. I don't think I like it as much as I think the Lobster is still at the top in my Ooh, opinion. Interesting. Um, I think that film is just so clever and. More in, it definitely feels like you know it's funny how you 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 were talking about I don't know if you talked about this on was it on the po- no it's before the podcast yeah the, the conversation about how you were afraid that the favorite yeah and this is so great that we're doing a you know a Lathamos <laughs> film with yeah, with the yeah, Oscars yeah. coming up and all that yeah um and then you were afraid that the favorite was not is going to lose his uh unique spin and it was just going to be like another like big budget. Um, period piece yeah. Kind of thing. yeah and how he's taken his ball and kind of ran with it but yeah. it's still his ball yeah it's exactly. not the companies that you know fund the film exactly. it's all we're like at a playground this is my ball <laughs> but I still think the lobster is the one that has the most to say like internationally has the most I to say agree. I agree I agree I think because the lobster is all about uh, like relationships yes that, which is a bit more of a broad um, thing. It's very similar to the kind of messaging that's going on in Dogtooth. Yeah. Um, I think the favourite is a little bit more abstract, ironically, because it is his most mainstream film. It's. But I think I agree. The Lobster has like the more interesting. Message takes the most, I think. Uh, I think the favourite takes the most abstract route with a simple message. It's mm. about power, okay, yeah, but it, yeah. the yeah, way it goes yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. It, it's interesting. A lot of his, if you look at his filmography, a lot of them are about power and who has the power, who doesn't have the power, I and the like power. it's all quite family kind of based in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're all about like some sort of intimate rela- relationships, intimate relationships to yeah. some extent. Um, and how people abuse those and manipulation and all that kind of stuff. See, I would strongly disagree. I reckon The Lobster is probably one of his weakest films. Okay. Um, Return surf. Uh, Jesse and I are not getting, <laughs> I not th- getting along I, in this I, I think, podcast. I think it kind of <laughs> falls a bit in the third act when they do the whole society that hates relationships. I think that's the part where it kind of takes a dip okay. for me. But I can I see that. I, I, can see I think... That. The, that offers the other side of the coin, and I kind of like that because it's like I think that is a huge part of like societal value. There are so many people that are either mm. so pro relationship they need that to survive, but then there are so people that are so anti relationship. But at the end of the day, they sort mm. of they're anti relationship to the point where until they meet the person that's for them, and suddenly they're like, oh, yeah, well, we've got to find a workaround for this. Yeah. Like, but, um- when you said this film has the least to say, I'd actually kind of disagree with that in a sense that, like, I think this has a lot to actually say about, and it's not just things to say about Greek culture, but just culture in, like, modern society in general. Yeah. Like, um, uh, in terms of raising your kids, like, at what age do we let our children become independent? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I've had experiences in the 
past where I've seen... With your pe- children. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I've observed, like, different methods of pet parenting because I have a, a wide scope of friends. And, like, yeah. there are some parents that let their kids get away with everything, but there's some where they just they shelter their kids and, like... Even when they get older, it's like, no, you can't do this. It's like, well, hang on a minute. No, this person yeah. is becoming their own person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like they kind of... Oh, it's very manipulative the way they do it in this film because the way they change language... Uh, uh, the way they change they, words Yeah, they meanings. change words. So even this if they did escape... Even if they did go out and leave them, they would not be able to function in, human so- in normal, every, everyday society mm, yeah. because... For them, like, um, I sh- should probably address this. There are many moments in the film where a character will say something or ask, what does this word mean? Like, for example, um, the one that I re- distinctly remember is um, they're at the dinner table. Nah, and pussy. And one of them says, oh, yeah, um, what is, what is a pussy? Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, okay. And then the mum says, a pussy is a big lamp. Now, if that's what <laughs> that's they right. think what a derogatory word is, what yeah. other derogatory words do they have misconceptions about? Like well, they used the word what, keyboard. Keyboard. Yeah. Was a, keyboard. The one they used for vagina. Lick my keyboard. Like, yeah. like I was just th- on the way here. I was just thinking, like, for example, you know, the N word. If someone, like, if someone had told them the N word actually means, oh, Such hello, you know, they could go out <laughs> and they could like be saying oh, all these no, things and yeah. not realize that they're actually like if offending like a huge race of people well this reminds you know? me this reminds me of two things in particular that the thing when i said i feel like i've seen the general idea of what they're trying to do from an idea concept Just point with of a view softer hand. It, it definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a slap the two in the things face. um not not a very direct comparison but this does remind me of room in 2015 yeah, a bit in, a in way. terms of being raised in an environment that's so different from how most of us uh, in the Western culture are born. Like, and the other this one is, is the world for them. Exactly, like, yeah. There is no such thing yeah. as the outside world. It reminds me of that in that regard, and in terms of the direct parent-child uh, manipulation, uh, that Black Mirror episode, Archangel, which is about um, one day the mum, uh, she loses her child uh, yeah, for a yeah. night, uh, a four- or five-year-old child, so she gets an implant in her daughter so she can look at an iPad and literally see exactly where she is and what she's looking at stuff. Mm. And then it turns into this whole thing, like, years down the line where... Um, I won't spoil the episode, mm. but she sees a lot of interesting things her daughter's getting yeah. up to thanks to this, like, little implant mm. that she's got. Mm. And it reminded me a lot of that episode. But I think this this very much takes it to a different level. Yeah, and I think another thing it also covers as well is that it comments on the desire to control and it's it's kind of related to yep. that the desire to control what the youth believe and understand so like within our society you've got parents that will bring up kids and tell them this is right this is wrong and the kids look to you for guidance throughout this world mm. and then like you know little things like oh this is a taboo you can't talk about this yeah. um or like you know 20, 30 years ago, you couldn't talk about the LGBTQ community. Like, you would just not talk about this. Now yeah. we're a lot yeah. more open with having discussions about this and going, hey, like, this is actually a thing now. Um, and even just stuff like little things like you know, Santa Claus, for example, you know, people are raised their entire lives thinking, oh, right, Santa Claus okay. is real. And then they get to a point where they realize the world, the world comes to them is like no santa's not actually real and they're what? like Wait, what? <laughs> what what are you talking about <laughs> and like it See, goes... <laughs> what are you talking about it goes so just far as to like don't just pretend 
He's not right. He's not right. <laughs> Goes so like to take that further is like you know with uh, like religions and brainwashing kids into yeah. being brought up with a certain ideology and yeah. like oh like it's so fascinating to read up about like cults and how like they're in this little secluded what, what are, location. What are you looking up, mate? <laughs> I definitely think this this film's biggest thing is the ripple it leaves after it's done. Yeah, it okay. gives you gives Pretty you ninety five minutes of your time in which you'll sit there. You'll laugh uncomfortably, you'll cringe, you'll close your eyes. I don't think eyes. I ever laughed once during this film. <laughs> really? Oh, I no, laughed a couple man. of times. I think, I think one I of mean, his... there's some funny shit, but no, man. I think, that, I think what he does the best is he makes you laugh, but it's more like a, ha, oh, oh. <laughs> I skipped that first part. On that note, like, oh. I think where that is highlighted the most is Yorgos Lanthimos is really... He he's really good at making you feel uncomfortable during sex scenes. There are like some films mm. where you can watch say. a sex scene and you can go, "Oh, this is very Hollywood romanticized." Yeah. And I was so passionate. In this, the sex scenes just feel they they feel lifeless. They feel cold. Yeah, they because feel half like... of them are with their bloody siblings. Yeah, no, <laughs> they just feel like you know they feel gross, and you just like yeah. you. Just, you can't help but look, but at the same time, you don't want to look at the same, but at the, same t- at the same time, yeah, they're giving more naturalistic more approach. They're more, like, yeah. you know, they're not, like, doing any, like, foreplay or any, like, teasing and stuff like that. Lifts. You know, they're just, like, they're, like, right, we're sitting on a couch or a bed or something. We're just going to grind up against each other. We're not going to enjoy it. So they've taken the enjoyment out of something and well, turned it into a... There are two, because there are it's two, taboo. Like, there are two exactly. ways, like, where the way the camera is... First off, it's it's a yeah. it's tripod, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not moving, um, and it's framed as if like the bed kind of hits that second third mark. So it's almost like we don't really get fully what's going on, and it yeah. just it's a side side like long. It's kind of a wide. It's like a yeah. it's sort of a wide. You're just uh, kind of sitting in there watching. You're That's basically kind of basically as a viewer, yeah. You're basically might as well have a stool yeah. while you're watching. Pretty much this. Unfold in and front a of microphone you. and a glass of whiskey. Just crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. It was a great choice yeah. for I, me. Yeah. On that note, I really like just the way he frames a lot of his shots. He's Yorgos has gotten into really nice. He, he's got a quite unique visual style in that he finds really weird angles and shoots them. So in Dogtooth, for example, a lot of it is like, yeah, it's. Um, characters will be standing up and talking, but all their heads will be cut off. So you only yeah, see their yeah. torso. Um, and then, like, as his filmography goes on, we get to the favourite, and you see a lot of the shots in that are all, like, fisheye yeah, lens, yeah. kind of, and the screen kind of warps a little bit when you're watching There's a lot it. more pans as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah like it's, going it's all still tripod yeah. movement. It's yeah. not, like, yeah. floaty camera moving around the scene. It's It's, like, in the favourite, it goes from, like... Zero degrees to ninety degrees. It just like goes. Yeah. You can really see or the evolution. Zero to one eighty. Yeah. When it just completely flips. And like yeah. in the in the case of Dogtooth, it's not like he just forgot to set up his tripod the wrong way and he accidentally cut off the heads. No, it's an intentional decision. You can tell like, it's very intentional. Like yeah. it's yeah, it's not just an accident. Like you know, he's 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 done this for a reason to make you feel. It it almost gives it like kind of like a really unsettling kind of feeling because you're like. This doesn't look right. Yeah. Therefore, I don't feel right about this mm-hmm. scenario, yeah. kind of thing. It well, just... the, the one that sticks out the most is when he goes to the dog pound or the dog like training. 
Oh, so, yeah, and he's talking to the guy at the counter, and the way those two or three shots that they I would even say the bit when he's screaming at his dog in the follow-up scene, and it's, like, such a oh. wide... And it's just the dog, and it's just holding, and you just hear him yelling, and well, the that, dog's just not editing, moving. that's more editing, I think, than, than yeah. the shots, even, the way they hold on that, and yeah. you don't know. Because I, I thought it was the dog right in front of him. That's why I thought it, the whole time I thought that's who he was talking to, and then obviously yeah. it's the other dog. So that's um, a great reveal. Do you mind if we talk about the ending? Mm, I'm happy to talk about the ending. Ending? Yeah. yeah. Full spoilers. Full <laughs> spoilers. So yeah. what I love about this ending is it's a very ambiguous ending. It's a, very a yeah. lot. A lot of Lancelot's films are quite ambiguous in their endings, with maybe the exception of the Lobster. I feel like there is some sense of finality to it um but yeah she escapes the compound but like you're left questioning did the father find her and bring her back was she like punished for it or did she escape but if she escaped did she even know how to get out of the trunk or did like did she get out of the trunk and leave or did she stay in the trunk and not know how to get out and suffocate and die i think i think she's probably dead yeah. If not in that scene, she is going to die. I think she's going to die. Shortly that after. Opened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so too. Not necessarily from bleeding out. It would have been nice if they hinted at even more blood after injuring herself, that, mm. that she could have just died from, you know, too much blood loss. Mm. I don't think they showed that she had enough blood loss to die from it necessarily, but I think she's dead. Absolutely. But I think it's, uh, at the end of the day, the, the core message there is like what you're willing to do to get out of... Like that's, being trapped, yeah. yeah. That situation. What's the extreme? I mean, uh, if anything, this man deals with uh, real world issues <laughs> in the in the most extreme way possible. Yeah. yeah, like the way it. Yeah, it's although it is quite contained. This film feels very like dystopian, kind of in a way. Yeah, almost like a weird uh, like future where this family's kind of you know trying to okay like control how how they're brought up but like i guess it's like it's very relatable because it like it's it was made in 2009 and like you know it 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 it's it doesn't present itself as a dystopian per se with mm-hmm. like futuristic stuff it's like it if looks anything, like the modern it feels, day it feels like in like a 70s 80s film especially because they use videotapes yeah and that's kind of the only real yeah we get into the it's media. funny watching this film and talking about how it feels more like a slap of the face than like a nice, like warm and gentle hug of the issue. Cause it's like, I remember watching Brigsby Bear last year <laughs> yeah. and that film feels like it was sort of, sort of telling a lot of the sort of similar messages in Brigsby Bear with like a fish out of water sort of story. Yeah. Um, but just felt way softer and nicer uh, than this film did. <laughs> you didn't want to take a shower after that, but no. you did with this. Yes, you did. Well, well the videotapes, I want to clarify this. Were the videotapes Rocky and Flashdance? Yeah, that's last... When I checked on Wiki... <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I could be wrong. But... I thought it was Rocky and Jaws, because she does reference Jaws. Yeah, pool, yeah. But she only got two tapes, and then it's clearly Rocky and Flashdance. So. Yeah. I don't know mm. where the Jaws reference came from. There might have been. She was pretending to be a shark in the pool. Yeah, there might have been another. Oh, maybe um, they reference Jaws in one of those. Maybe films. they're I'm not sure. Can we talk about a certain scene involving a pair of um, hedge trimmers and mm. oh, the doll? No, the, a pair the of head... toenails. No, the hedge trimmers and oh, an animal and, and, a, and a cat. Yeah, yeah. I immediately had to kind of look away at the screen. Yeah, because I and I it cuts away just at the right time. The sound though. 
of sound. I've had enough. I've had many personal experiences with the sounds of cats in pain. <laughs> Uh, one of them is like imprinted onto my skin for the rest of my life. But um, other think, than that, the sound of cats, man. Like oh, I think God. the one thing I love about the scene is the follow up to that because then the oh, uh, like right. because yeah. then the dad he goes away to work or something like that and he comes back and he covers himself in blood yeah. and he like rips up all his clothes and um I don't know if we I don't know if you guys picked up on this but um there's uh the, the brother, brother he stands at the hedge and he throws supplies over the hedge to give to his other brother. The, yeah. Like, the dad has convinced them that they have another brother living Just across there, over yeah. the hedge. I picked up on that eventually. So, yeah. like... The dad then comes home. He's covered in blood, and he's just like, <laughs> he's "Yeah, dead. your um, your, your brother died. The cat killed him." <laughs> and it's, it's funny because it just comes back to that like it was a kitten. Like it wasn't even a cat. It was like a kitten. And then he's like, "Yeah, cats are the most ferocious creatures on this earth. Like if you ever see one, just like you know, run." Like you know, what would have been really clever if they paid it off at the very end. If if they somehow got the cat like involved with the elder daughter as she was leaving or so if they did something with that that would have been quite clever but oh yeah. if the cat like somehow if there was like, like another cat there she ran into at the gate or something that would have been pretty cool that would have been interesting if there was a cat in the boot <laughs> yeah I was, gonna, I was gonna say if the cat got into the boot I was like nah it's too stupid don't say that Jack completely ruined the entire would be great at the end the last shot the boot just opens and a cat comes out <laughs> it'll come in blood and there's like a hand just falls out <laughs> <laughs> it's a little less ambiguous which is the most ambiguous between Dogtooth, the favorite, and the lobster? That's because it's only the three that means. I reckon the favorite. I think that's the most clear one. To be is honest. it? I think yeah. Because yeah, you know what I, she's yeah, doing. You I know would agree what. with that. Because... What like the ending? Yeah, that last. Oh, shot. we're talking about the ending. I thought you just sorry, mean no, like the in ending, general. The ending, yeah, the no, ending. you. Yep. Then yeah. Sorry, full spoilers yeah. for the favorite. But basically, what I got from that ending was like, yeah, she's she's finally taken over as the new Rachel Weiss. Yeah. But. She's just realized like that she's stuck here and that yeah. ultimately Olivia Coleman has the power. Yeah. And that she is like she she she's worked her way up, but then she's like, Oh shit, I'm 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 screwed. still not. When ready, you yeah. when you've finished ascending the ladder as far as you can go, that's as yeah. you're that's only going down from well, there. Yeah, <laughs> while the lobster and dog tooth, there are two physical actions that mm. you are waiting to see occur and do not occur. Whether you're going to be stabbed in the eye or climbing out of a boot, what I... you do not see what happens. Yeah, I just I've always liked the idea of the lobster. He stabs his eyes out and he can't make his way back to the, yeah. <laughs> the table. Oh, yeah. He's just well, well, it's a good thematic connection because there's a lot of blindfolded people throughout this yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, there is in so, in all yeah. of Lantimos's films, even in our oh, Sacred Deer. There is okay in the the final part of the film. The blindfold has an integral part to the. Story's end. I awesome. I recommend you watch it. It is probably we'll the most it, yeah. divisive film, um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is very dark. Um, I will say as well. Also, like with this film and a lot of Lance Moss's films, like he does use a lot of animal kind of metaphors yeah. and like thematically, like so with the lobster. Obviously, you know he's got ninety days to find. 30 days to find love, otherwise going to get turned into an animal. Yeah. Um, killing of a sacred deer. There's a character that's... Well, there's no actual deers in Killing of a Sacred Deer. It's more of a metaphor for something. I won't mention it. I hate movies with metaphors. Um, <laughs> the favourite... It was only till the credits rolled that I realised, oh, Emma Stone is represented by the ducks and Rachel Weiss is represented by the rabbits mm. and Olivia Coleman's a badger. 
So <laughs> yeah, man, that that's clever. As... There's that moment where Emma Stone finally ascends and she steps and almost crushes a rat, a, a rabbit. And it's it's kind of like a metaphor for her taking over, taking over yeah. oh, um, Rachel yeah. Weiss. I didn't pick up on that. That's and awesome. then of course with this dog toast, they're all, you know, they they're all made to sit down on the they pavement and dogs, bark like dogs. And yeah. That was a great scene. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. So, and, um, and all the scenes where um, oh, we he bashes the crap out of people with VHSs. <laughs> the sound of that VHS and yeah. the VCR as well. Like a... Oh my god, that sound is like. Oh, it's amazing. Well, I mean, apparently you can get Dogtooth in JB Hi-Fi, so it's out in wide release. It's not on Netflix. It is on iTunes, though. Oh, Um, that's right. Yeah, Because I've got a copy of it on iTunes. So you guys can check it out if you dare. Were there any highlight (laughs) scenes, gentlemen? What's that? Were there any highlight scenes, gentlemen? I think we always seem to cover highlight scenes in the middle of the discussion because obviously you have to. Mm. But if I was to pick my highlight scene... Honestly, the bit, like, I loved the, the barking dog scene. Because <laughs> yeah. it really one, yeah. explains a lot of the... The power. The power. Yeah. Um, the alignment with a dog being, like, this loyal servant. Mm. And how manipulative how, they are. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, dogs are often quite manipulated by humans, yeah. too. Mm. I mean, it's what we, we teach them tricks. And that's like, the whole point of that scene. Domestication. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And keeping them in their like place. Yeah, exactly. So, and honestly, the the VHS beating up scene is incredibly like yeah. just well, entertaining. That she tells him yeah. to get get the tape, and she watches him tape it up. Because <laughs> I was like, that's not gonna stop her from watching the film. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, legitimately, my thought process too. But those yeah. two would be the two scenes that uh, stick out for me the most. I really the um, rest just make me feel gross. I think the flash dance scene towards the end was. Yeah. Also because it's such a combination yeah. of what we're finally getting to towards the end. And I really like when they listen to the vinyl and he's like, let's listen to Granddad sin, sing. And he's basically reading out the lyrics, but he's making his own lyrics. I yeah. thought that was really clever oh, as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That was a great scene. I think um, I think that's pretty much it for me. I've, I, I really like this I, My two favourite scenes have got to be um, the first incredibly awkward sex scene, just because oh, yeah. it, just of how... It sets it up and makes like really establishes That's how Christine and the Sun. Yeah, yeah. It just really establishes how like uncomfortable this film is going to make you feel. Um, <laughs> the second second favorite scene. Well, actually, I like them both equally. Is um when they announce the dead brother. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, the cat. <laughs> I guess I should have been laughing at that scene, but I just did not. You know what I mean? It's absurd humour that's made yeah, exactly. you make you feel uncomfortable. I, just, I, just, I think I was just like in that zone. I wasn't laughing. I was just watching. I was like, what in the world? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's you can great. check it out on a wide release if you dare. Wide release. It work, it I, would, I would recommend. I would recommend this to a lot of people. No, no, I wouldn't recommend it to a lot of people. But if you're gonna watch it, I reckon it might actually watch it by yourself. Maybe. Yep. Yes. I agree. And then afterwards, if you want to watch it again, watch it with a couple of people. But watching it by yourself, like, just makes you feel even more uncomfortable. This is not a watch with your girlfriend film. Yeah, no, unless if your girlfriend's into some weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or your sister. Oh, oh. Legit, I was watching this. On, I was watching. I had my double monitor set. I was watching it with the film on the right monitor. Yeah. And I had my left open just in case I wanted to write notes live. And my brother's sitting right next to me. And the screen's is there, and it's just like the awkward sex scenes. And I'm just looking at him, and I'm just like, yeah, that's right. 
And this I is was the, weird <laughs> shit. <laughs> and this is the last time you'll ever have a guest on the yeah, show. Exactly. <laughs> That's what exactly. I said to him. <laughs> Two <laughs> people from now on. Uh, well, we're now moving into uh, new in cinemas this week. Thank God Jesse's here to help us through some of these, Jake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Jimi Hendrix, Electric Church. I'm going to assume yes. that's probably a documentary about Jimi Hendrix. Well, it's titled, yeah. Um, really? I home. thought it was about um, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I it's agree. It's his debut so. feature. Yeah, his debut feature. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're funny. Um, a Dog's Way Home, which I know used to be called A Dog's Purpose, but got had to rebrand its name because of certain animal cruelty that happened on the set of the film. Ah, oh, thematically to... Dog tooth here, animal yeah. cruelty. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. cats were hard in the of this movie. Alone together. Not sure what that's about. Does anyone know what that's about? I haven't heard of it. No. Is there a reason there's yeah. a slash in the way you wrote it? No, it's alone together. That's like how alone it's together. titled. Alone together. Okay. Uh, Flying the nest, which was a kids' film. So can we just skip on that one? Greta, which you guys both heard about. Um, I I I've seen a lot of Greta trailers and stuff all over my Instagram. It's probably because I follow Chloe Grace Moretz on Instagram, and it looks okay. good. I have no idea what it's about, but it's that's her last film from. It's... She was in Suspiria, wasn't she? Was she? Yeah, yeah, she was. Cool. Uh, she was. She wasn't really marketed in it, and like she's just kind of a character that she's like, oh, Chloe Grace Moretz is in this. Like, what? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like Ellen Page in um, what's that movie that came out a couple of years ago where what? like they all com- they all kill each other Flatliners. for like flatliners. Ah, uh, yeah, and that's just, a remake. And yeah, it's a remake. But Ellen Page is in it for like half an hour, and she's like one of the first characters to die in it. Well, she was marketable because it was like yeah, exactly. a terrible film, and they were like, well, at least Ellen Page it was is so <laughs> bad, man. Um, oh. No, but I'm actually looking forward to Greta. It's basically I'll give you a quick rundown. It is basically um, this girl finds, I think it's like a diary or a book, and it's like, this belongs to Greta at such and such address. So she goes to deliver it yeah. um, to this kind of motherly figure who's like, oh, thank you so much. Why don't you come in and have tea? And then it turns out there's a bit more than meets the eye when she finds multiple... Transformers. <laughs> number 10. Um, and she finds multiple diaries in a closet. And okay. then things start to turn. Things King turn. of Thieves, which I've not heard anything about, but it looked cool. Look cool? I've heard a lot of old people at work come through and they're like, oh, King of Thieves is the one with Michael Caine. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like I'll, watch Michael, a, I'll watch Michael Caine. I'd watch a Michael Caine. <laughs> Master Bruce. Yeah. Um, and then Master The Guilty, Wayne. which I haven't heard about either. But they're new in cinemas this week. We really do our research on this podcast. Um, I don't know what these are. Well, look, I'm yeah, like, I can't watch it. every film every week. Um, yeah. Next week on the show, this was meant to be this week's, but... You know, who cares? Jesse messed up plans. Jesse. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but next week on the show, The Other Side of the Wind, Orson Welles' last film. Jay can't afford. The Ernest Hemingway of the cinema. I just want to know what he represents. The man is infested with disciples. I'm the apostle. <laughs> the Other Side of the Wind, 2018's The Other Side of the Wind. After years of exile in Europe, a maverick director returns to Hollywood to finish his comeback movie. His first feature film. <laughs> <laughs> this film stars John Huston, Oja Kodar, and Peter Brondomovich. So that'll be next week on we, the we show. Love you, we love you. I know we do. I know I do. <laughs> I know we do. I know we um, do. Thank you, Jesse, for coming on the show. Thank you for having yes. me. It's that was, that was really exciting. Fun. I'm glad you're our first guest. Yeah, will you let yeah. me back on next time? We'll see. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. We'll see how we go, kid. We'll be a little yeah, we'll more a, executive produce the decisions you make. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually really, really enjoyed the film, and thank you for that. So, yeah, yeah sure. no worries. Um, it's great to always 
you know, step out of your comfort zone a bit and try something just a little bit different. Yeah, um, don't say that to the characters of this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's probably the wrong wrong idea. But, I mean, this was the Cinema Side Show. Uh, I was Zeke Morgan-Hein. I was Jake Diagrella. And I am Jesse Newell. And uh, we'll catch you next week with The Other Side of the Wind. I won't catch you next week because I won't be here. You can listen to us. Okay, yeah, thank you. Bye, guys. See ya. See ya.